You're listening to In The Bunker, a podcast that explores the biggest challenges in starting and running a business. My name is Joshua Maddox, and I'm an entrepreneur and business owner myself. I'm sitting down with business owners to talk about the challenges they face, the lessons they've learned, and how we can all grow from it. Every business owner has faced challenges, and we love to share those stories. Today, we have Marla Stone in the bunker with us. Marla faced the challenge of really having customer demand versus staffing issues. As small business owners, we've all seen this. It's the roller coaster of market your business and market, market, market. And then you get a bunch of customers and it's fulfill. And then as soon as the fulfillment's done, it's back to marketing. However, despite the odds of running a business itself, Marla has really succeeded in this. Over the past 11 years, she's had experience and being able to really help her customers and her clients declutter and organize to make sure that everything in their home has its own home. She's a published author and has helped over 2,000 plus clients organize their lives and homes. There's so much to learn here, and I'm super excited to jump in and have this conversation. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Joshua. Awesome. So let's get started and walk through your background. Who are you? How'd you get here? What does it look like? Well, I'm a native Californian. I live in Orange County now. Uh, I was a social worker, psychotherapist for 17 years, 10 years in private practice. And my specialty was trauma, serious mental health challenges, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, panic disorder, PTSD. And after 17 years of sitting and listening, I wanted to still use my background, but I didn't want to sit anymore. It was getting old. And so I found professional organizing, which there's a big mental health component to people being chronically or perpetually disorganized. And so I thought I can do Tupperware. And I didn't really understand all the mental health challenges that came with this industry. But it's been great because I get to use my background and my psychiatric social work background and help still help people. It's really like old fashioned social work, going into the home, getting Mary or Bob out of bed, getting the wheels turning again so that they can keep up their home and have a home that is, you know, clear and designed well and where they can enjoy an aesthetically pleasing functional home. Yeah, there's so much with inside of that, like. I know for me, like my own desk, if I've got stuff piled all over my desk and I've got a bunch of email, I'm not as motivated. But if I've got a clean desk and everything's in its place, I'm more focused. And just from a business aspect of having a file drawer to put your papers away can allow you to be more focused. Now that gets exponentially larger when you go from a little three foot wide desk to your whole entire home. And that's, I can totally see that with stress and there's so much other stuff that can cause and be a symptom of. Yeah, it could be, it's a lot of it's some depression, motivation, anxiety. I always say the outer is a reflection of the inner. And the things that once a person starts to get uncomfortable with their environment, it actually means they're actually getting a little better on the inside. Because before when everything was cluttered and they were okay with it, there was obviously some level of mental health challenges or grief and loss. It could be trauma, disappointment, whatever it is. 
where they, whatever's on the inside just spewed into their environment. But when they start to feel uncomfortable with that environment, it actually means there's some clearing on the inside at some of the emotional clutter has been cleared so that they can have the motivation to say, I don't want to have this environment any longer. And, and it's not a need to get organized. People think, oh, I need to get organized or I need to go to the market or I need. I took the need out of getting organized because it muddles the thinking, the clarity of your thinking about what to keep versus what to toss. And so I tell people it's not a need. It, you either want to do this or you don't want to do this. You will do this. You won't do this. So I brought will back into the language. It's something that we have discarded from our language. We use need or have to or got to for almost in every sentence. So we're needling ourselves to death to do the things that we dream about, that we want, and then we end up not doing it because we get derailed. I believe the subconscious process knows the true meaning of need, which is necessity, which is air, food, water, shelter, sleep, elimination, and sunlight the seven things that keep us alive. That's cool. Yeah, it's really just focusing on, I know for me, like focusing on the aspect of, at the end of the day, creating a better life, mm -hmm. really allowing people to do that. Exactly. I know before, before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about business challenges and the aspect of customer demand versus staffing. And obviously that's something that so many businesses face on a almost daily basis. But I want to talk about that a little bit and break down some of that challenge that you faced and what that looks like overcoming that for your business. I created, I, I really revolutionized the way organizing is done. So we don't do piles. It's very systematic. We line up clear bins. We take everything out of the space. We categorize into broad categories. I have a criteria for how the client goes through their things. Will you use it? Does it serve a purpose? Is it sentimental? Do you love it? Then once we know what they're going to keep, we fine tune. So it's not a random process of just making things look neat and tucking things away and picking up after a person. We're not, we're not Molly made and we're not personal assistants. We are there to create a long-term system. And it's the training process of training the way we do it. That's one issue, challenge, because people I, I found today, people have listening skill challenges, communication challenges. So that's an issue. And then, yes, I've paid marketers. I've done marketing. I do a lot of social media marketing. So the business comes in in these waves. And then you're correct. We're fulfilling. So that's when I'm scheduling the organizers and then still making sure they're doing it with my clutter remedy strategies. And so it is this back and forth process that I've been doing for, well, now it's 12 years and over 2,800 properties. And I'm struggling still with that aspect. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, you know, some of the challenges, I will say that me owning a digital agency we face a little bit as well. There are some industries and some businesses The if you own a warehouse and you need someone to sweep the warehouse, the duration of training on that is this is a broom and this is how it works. Go sweep the whole warehouse. And that training should last all of 30 seconds to maybe two minutes. But 
training someone on a process that your business does that you have standards, you have close to 3,000 clients that you want to make sure the project that you do next week matches the quality of the project you did last month or last year because you don't know if that person is a referral or yeah. what how they came to you. And so if they're a referral and that new employee ends up providing a subpar service, now all of a sudden it was a bad referral and it just, bad referral ends up creating just a lot of other issues within regards to customer satisfaction and other aspects. And so ensuring that that training is done and that you're able to have an onboarding process for, do you or have you created or what does that look like maybe for the business of an onboarding process or training? What does that look like for your team? I've been an independent contractor business because I meet the ABC criteria for that. These are seasoned organizers that before they come on, the requirement is they read the book. They Now I have a manual, basically. And then really it's just, an, for me as a business owner, an observation of, is this person actually following the strategies that are outlined in the book? It's they hit the ground running. Training is a sensitive subject when you have independent contractors. So I have guidelines and then it's just a matter of seeing if they're following the guidelines. And I've had situations where I saw an organizer put a regular ladder on a staircase, not a, a staircase ladder, but a, and, she, and she was like, yeah, I'm just going to get up here. And I looked at the owner and, and I said, I can't tell them what to do. And I said, but you can. So the owners know you are not doing, but you know, just bizarre stuff that people do. And no matter, I've realized no matter uh, how much information or training, because I've also had employees as a, a therapist, I employed a social work and marriage and family interns. And I'll tell you, no matter how much training or how much is coming out of your mouth to another human being, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Like I said, I've figured out the listening skills and communication skills has dwindled. I think a lot of it has to do with this language thing I figured out that we're needling ourselves to death to do things instead of willing ourselves. The other thing that came up in the language department, and it's in the book, I think that's why the book is in all the libraries in the U.S. and Canada is this language thing that I figured out that decreases motivation and productivity. So the second thing besides need is people use a lot of indecisive language, like I'll try or I try to do that or maybe or sort of that was the weirdest one. I don't know where that came from. Sort of. What does that even mean? And if, but, could, should, maybe, possibly. And so we've eliminated indecisive language from the process of getting organized because if the client says, maybe I'll use the knitting again, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know where it goes. I don't, there is no category called maybe. We have a category called projects and that puts things in perspective because I say, okay, knitting, but you used to knit when you had grandchildren. Now you've said that you haven't used the knitting for five years and you're telling me it's a potential project, potentials even indecisive. So I'll say, 
will you do this project within the next three to six months or will it be two years from now? Only because I want to know where to put it. Because what you use the most stays closest to you and what you use the least goes furthest. I in no way ever want to put my will or opinion on somebody's stuff. It's not my business to tell somebody whether they can keep something or not. That's totally up to them. I just want to clarify when, how, where it will be used so that I make sure it gets to the proper home. Yeah, got it. Yeah, and as you're talking through that, I'm thinking I actually, my wife and I moved into the house we're in now about a year, a little over a year ago. And I recently, my team and I, we had, a, we had an office and when COVID hit and then we moved, that all closed down. So I had six or seven boxes in my rafters of stuff from the office that was like, eventually, once we do that again. Mm -hmm. And now with everybody working remote and home office, our team's yeah. pretty much not going back to that aspect. And those boxes have been there for a year. And I last weekend pulled them all down and started going through them all. And it's okay. Has it been used in a year? Do I yeah. see myself using this in the next month or two? And if the answer is no, then it either needs to get out of my house or, you know, it doesn't maybe, need to, it, it doesn't need yeah. to, you want it to. Yeah. And there's so many good sales groups now, Facebook marketplace yep. next door. And as you realize you're not going to move back to an office, there's somebody opening an office right now, I guarantee you. Yep. And they're going to want that stuff and they'll pay, actually they'll pay what you paid for it because everything's gone up so much, especially steel. So if you have like steel desks or desks, buried furniture has gone up, everything's gone up. You will most likely recoup the money you paid for those things. And, and then it's been a write-off for you, but then you'll have a sale on your taxes and you'll have some income from that. But guess what? You're not storing it anymore in your space. Yep. And that's the good thing is having space and not having stuff stuck in places in your home, it, it actually frees up your energy altogether. And that's a feng shui principle. Well, life. and there's, there's also the aspect of I've got a cabinet in my garage and being able to open the cabinet and slide a box over to easily move stuff around rather than being like, cool, there's no space on this shelf. So those are the aspects of it's just so hard to get anything out of that shelf. Forget it. I'm not even going to use anything on there. If I'm not even going to use anything on there, then why do I have all the stuff in the mm -hmm. first place? Yeah. I say, what's that doing in your real estate? Yeah. 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 And boxes, if you mention boxes to me, I get this closed in feeling. It's really, so I always say, take everything out of boxes and bags. If you've got stuff in bags or boxes, you don't even know what's in it anymore. Take, go get some clear bins from Target or Walmart or wherever you can get, you know, you can find them online and get everything by category, really fine tuned category and find the proper container for that category so that you yep. can see it and you don't have to label. I have not labeled in 12 years. People are like, what? You're the only organizer that doesn't label. I said, because the label does not ensure that you're going to put it back in that bin. I guarantee you. But when you see it's a category and you take something out of that category, you're going to will yourself to put it back in there. That's 
how your life is going to change, not by a label. I go into yeah. garages where another organizer's been and everything's labeled, but guess what? Nothing's in the right spot. Nothing's in the right spot. Oh yeah. That's the worst. I was looking for a hard drive box that my brother wanted to borrow and I had to take down. That's part of what started the whole process of going through all the boxes because I took the first one down that said that's where it was. Mm-hmm. But I'd move some stuff around in boxes and it was no longer in that box. And I just didn't grab a Sharpie and relabel things. And the clear tubs, that's what we have on our shelving units now in the garage. And we even did, my wife found ones that have like purple lids or just gray lids. And the purple lids one ones are more like decor stuff. Exactly. And so it's just by, okay, it's a purple lid tub. And it's, that instantly goes from, it's not all 20 of them it's one of these three and so it's like rather than having to you know actually put labels on the side i think that's all good stuff yeah i want to wrap up our time a little bit and i want to talk about what are some of your big advice elements when it comes to no don't want to go specific on organizing but when it comes to more like customer demand and staffing issues like what are some of your advice elements on that when it comes to business yeah so what I, I, I am always recruiting. It's not a, oh, I'm going to recruit this this week. It's, it's a constant recruiting, always looking for ideal organizers, ideal folks that have compassion, good listening skills, communication skills. So that's a forever thing, I think, in all businesses, because you don't want to ever stop that process. You always want to have at least 20 30 people to call upon, especially in a per diem type of business. And the other thing is always market. You're marketing every day. That's where I've come to now to solve some of the challenges that I have. Whereas before it was marketing on demand. Oh, no more clients. I don't, the phone's not ringing. So I'm going to go to town this weekend. And instead of doing that and putting all that pressure on myself in, in three, four days, it, I realize now it's a constant thing to keep up that and to find, to have a criteria for what you want in an ideal employee or contractor. That's very important. If you don't really have a criteria of all these, at least 30 things you want in an ideal worker, that then you're just shooting in the dark. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a body. I'm going to take it no matter what. And you know, there's been episodes where business was so busy that I was like, I was like body snatching, but <laughs> it's never ideal. And just really, you want to have the person working with you to reflect your values and how you want the, the work performed. And you want them to emanate having an ideal lifestyle. You, know, you want that person to be having an ideal. If they're not having an ideal lifestyle, then how is that going to help your clients? That's really good. Yeah, I'm taking notes as you're chatting. I think the always be looking to hire aspect is so key because you don't know if you're a small business and you have five employees, you don't know if one of your employees is looking to leave Exactly. Next week, my company, we had a situation where Monday morning had a conversation with an employee. We were making a 30 day, 60 day, 90 day plan for, hey, here's some stuff that's going to get done over the next 90 days. And we were talking about what that was going to look like. 
And then Thursday afternoon, resignation letter. Yeah. And the employee had been with the company for almost a year. And it was just no, totally didn't see that coming. Did you uh, go on vacation? <laughs> I did. I did not. It used to be a thing where I would say, okay, I'm going on vacation. And somebody who worked for me six months or three years, for whatever reason, as I'm either boarding the plane or getting off the plane, I'm getting a resignation notice or that they're moving on. And, and I don't know if it was like a trigger, but it, it was a thing. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I think the always be looking to hire and always be marketing are two critical elements, really, that every business owner should think about. They want yeah. to. It's and I think, yeah. I think the always be marketing and always, always be looking for the ne next customer. Literally, our team was having this conversation internally actually the other day. It's the idea of when you're on an airplane and they explain the oxygen mask, mm -hmm. put it on yourself first, exactly. then help the person next to you, a child, whoever else. Exactly. And I feel like as business owners, that child or that person next to us is the client. And we see the oxygen mask pop out of the ceiling. And the first thing we do is stick it on them and go, okay, I'm going to help you first. And, but then as business owners, we end up missing out because we end up starving ourselves of oxygen or starving ourselves of the next potential customer. And so I think focusing on making sure that mm -hmm. we have that oxygen mask on or we are marketing ourselves and Will something possibly, I don't want to say fall through the cracks, but maybe take a slight bit longer for a client? Yes, but the client, for the most part, is going to respect that. And if they have a huge problem with you marketing your own business, then you probably shouldn't be working with them as a client in the first place. Yes, that, that's another great point that I've learned as a business owner that I would like to share. Pick your clients. They don't pick you. You pick your clients. And that's why I give a free 30-minute phone consultation. It's not to waste my breath. It's really to listen and see if this is a client that I want to engage with. And the other uh, piece of advice I can say is just as important as onboarding people to work with your company, offboarding. Knowing when something is not going to work out and not giving what I say, like chances or too many passes. That's always, usually when somebody is doing something drastically wrong, fairly quickly into the time that they're working with you, that's a sign that it's, it's not going to get better. Generally, it will get worse. So really self-protection as a business owner is so important and not putting yourself in situations that are, are just going to cause you grief and pain. I think it's really important to have boundaries and to have a criteria for who you work with on both ends, client and worker. There's a phrase that I've heard in regards to the sort of offboarding of staff and it's hire slow, fire fast. Yeah, yeah. So That's the higher slow okay. aspect is go through two interviews, do you know, yeah. do have a process. And I know for me, when I've hired, when I've done interviews in person, 
I'll always ask the, the prospect to bring their favorite candy bar. It's something that is very minimal cost. Mm-hmm. Typically, you can buy a candy bar for under $2. It's not a huge deal. Yeah. If it's their favorite one, then when you tell them they can eat it, they are going to like that anyway. And it also makes sure that the person goes out of their way to do it. Exactly. And so it's a very low cost element. And are they going to take it serious? And really, those are those types of elements, silly, silly tests like that, that seem insignificant will really help to tell a, a business owner about the personality of that prospect. And it's really something that I think with that sort of hire slow, and it's not hire slow as in take nine months to hire an employee. It's hire slow as in making sure you vet them. Yes. And that they follow through. So that simple request of the candy bar is a great idea. I, and I'm going to borrow that. Awesome. Go for it. It's been a really good conversation. Appreciate the time today. I know there's been a ton of value. I've been taking notes as we've been going through our conversation today. Your bio, your website, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of that will be in the show notes. In addition to, you have a book. What was the title of that? Yes, it is called The Clutter Remedy, A Guide to Getting Organized for Those Who Love Their Stuff. And it's in all the libraries in the U.S. and Canada. And you can get it on Amazon. It's on Audible. It's on, it's at Barnes and Noble. I'm actually back on my book tour now. Uh, my book tour started uh, a month before COVID started. Oh, so I was cut short. And, but I'm back at all going from uh, state to state at Barnes and Noble and doing book discussions and signings. And so it's a great read. It's really first about taking care of emotional clutter and then the how-to, how we do it. It actually replaces my services. And then there's a whole chapter on, you know, space design and then seasonal organizing and also any challenges, mental health, grief and loss, anxiety that will prevent you from not only getting organized, but remaining organized long-term. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so that the the Barnes Noble link, I'll, I'll have that in the show notes as well. But as Marla said, it's also available in public libraries. So if the financial cost of buying the book is something that's a struggle, she's made sure it's in public libraries. So that's not a hindrance, which is super awesome. I, I wish more authors would do that because it's I think that's really cool. So yeah, awesome. there's only certain books the librarian system, the librarians in the system pick. So it means that your book has some real depth and value to the yeah. public when they choose a book to be in the library. It's been super good having you on the show, like I said. And for anyone who wants to connect with you, what's the number one spot for them to reach out um, and connect with you on? My website is www.i-deal hyphen lifestyle.com or www.i-deal-lifestyle.com. Awesome. Perfect. So for those of you who want to reach out, there's a great spot to do. And that website link will be in the show notes as well. Awesome. Good to have you on the show. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Joshua. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of In the Bunker. As always, we can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at In the Bunker Podcast. Be sure to share this episode and what you're going to apply from it and how that can affect your business. 
Make sure to tag us in that post so we can highlight your journey as well. But before you go, I have a quick personal ask. Each episode of In the Bunker takes a lot of work to put together from finding the guest, shooting, editing, all of that. And where I really could use your help is twofold. First, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or another podcast platform that can let you leave a five-star review or a text-based review, I would truly and greatly appreciate that. It really helps with the algorithm and allowing other listeners to find the show. The next thing that I really need help on is sharing this with friends, family, business owners, people that you think need to hear this content. I appreciate you listening to this episode and looking forward to next week. Take care.